Welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We are here today on our seventh of our series of seven messages on the churches of the Revelation. Today we're going to be talking about the church of the closed door at Laodicea. I'd like for you to join me in prayer, and then we'll read the scripture and focus our attention upon what God has to say to this church and to our church. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to come together and worship and study your word. And I pray that this morning you would give us insight. Father, through each of these six previous churches that we have looked at, when you came to church, you saw certain things. And it is no different as we look at this seventh church, the church at Laodicea. Because when you come to church, Father, you, you come with truth. You come as the Holy One. And I pray that this morning you will speak boldly to us through what you said to this church and, Father, to our church as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The scripture says in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 and following, To the angel of the church at Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. During the Boxer Rebellion in 1899 to 1901 in China, hundreds of Chinese were put to death because of their faith in Jesus Christ. As they knelt with their heads on the blocks and the long, heavy knives trembling in the hands of their executioners, they were asked to deny Christ and promise freedom if they did so. History tells us that not one of those individuals denied their faith in Jesus Christ. They all perished. In addition, there were 180 missionaries and their families who were slaughtered during this time as well, solely because of their Christian faith. An official speaking later said, had that been either you or me, we probably would have said, wait a minute, I think that we can make a statement satisfactory to both sides. Well, that's exactly the temper of Laodicea. They tried to be neither for or against. They were lukewarm. And you know what Jesus said? I can't stand you. 
Laodicea was a city characterized by wealth. It had no need for help or from the Roman treasury when it was partially destroyed by an earthquake in AD 60. It was the main commercial city of the region. In fact, there were three Roman roads that converged upon the city and it made the city a city of great providence. A city like Laodicea was easy prey for indifference. The reason they could have that self-satisfied complacency is because they really felt like they didn't have any need as a city. The spirit of the city, unfortunately, had made an impact upon the church in that city as well. I want to first look at Jesus's reaction to the church's condition. He said, I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold. Laodicea was neither hot nor cold. It was the wealthiest of the seven cities. It was known for its banking industry. It was known for its manufacture of wool and a medical school that produced eye salve. But the city had always had a problem with its water supply. In fact, at one point, there was an aqueduct that was brought from the hot springs to Laodicea. Unfortunately, by the time the water reached the city, it was not hot, nor was it refreshingly cool, only lukewarm. The church had become as bland as the trepid water had to the city. Here we find that the church was not disturbed by heresy or persecution like other of the churches. They acknowledged all the doctrines of the faith. They just weren't interested enough to make issue with them. They weren't disturbing Rome, and so Rome was not disturbing them. The church at Laodicea was content to straddle the fence. You know, it's been said that there was a time when moral issues were either black or white, but now they have become dull gray. They blur the lines. Vance Havner once said, when the Lord's sheep become dirty gray, the world feels more comfortable. It's when we are stark in our difference that the world is not comfortable and we might even get criticized. But when we look like the world looks like, they're comfortable. And the city of Laodicea felt very comfortable with the church at Laodicea. The church was stale and it was stagnant. Dr. R.C. Campbell said of the condition of being lukewarm, it's like trying to ride two horses in the opposite directions at the same time. We find that their condition was terribly upsetting to Jesus. He said, I wish that you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That's quite the indictment. I like the way that Peterson translates that verse. He writes, I know you inside and out and find little to my liking. You're stale. You're stagnant. You make me want to vomit. Well, that same word in the Greek is used in the Septuagint of the big fish spitting Jonah upon the shore. That's the imagery. And Jesus says, you're making me sick to my stomach. It's amazing that he would say, I would rather you be hot or cold. But lukewarm nauseated him. 
Lukewarm water, if you know, makes kind of a disgusting drink. The church at Laodicea had become lukewarm and therefore distasteful. It was repugnant. The believers didn't take a stand for anything. Indifferent led to idleness. By neglecting to do anything for Christ, the church had become hardened and self-satisfied, and it was destroying itself. There was nothing more disgusting than a half-hearted, in-name-only Christian who was self-sufficient and self-righteous. Jesus says, that makes me sick. It's easier to deal with a frozen church than one that is lukewarm, indifferent. A church that has no enthusiasm, no urgency, no compassion. That kind of church is repugnant to Jesus. We would want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. But in the reality, what a contrast to hear, I want to spit you out of my mouth. It was terribly upsetting to Jesus. And why do you think Jesus would be so upset? Well, a cold church would lose its saltiness, its influence in the community. A hot church would be zealous, evangelistic, desiring to influence their city. They would have compassion. A lukewarm church would be neither. Therefore, it's damaging to the kingdom of God. Lost souls could come and be a part of the church, but never be transformed. The members of the church could adopt compromising morality and ethics. And the lost were genuinely searching, searching for salvation would be driven away in disgust because they would see no difference. Jesus said a lukewarm church is sickening. The results are completely contrary to the heart and the desire of Jesus. With the same passion for righteousness as he reacted to with the many changes of the temple during his ministry, he had that righteous indignation and we see that in his wording in this church of Laodicea, he said, I will spit you out of my mouth. Let's look at the characteristics of the church at Laodicea. What is it that brought them to this place of indifference, of being lukewarm? We find that they had lost their sense of values. Jesus said, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Wow, that is quite the thing to say to the church. Here we find Laodicea was a banking center for the region. And they had great riches that were gathered together in this city. They were a proud, arrogant, self-sufficient because of their riches. And that also reflected the church. They said, we have gold, we need nothing anyone can give us. They had the sense of feeling and witness that they could take care of themselves. They didn't need anybody else and they didn't need God to be intervening within their lives as a church. Jesus said, my friends, you do not realize that you are wretched and you are miserable and poor. They had material wealth, but they were spiritually poverty-stricken. They had no enrichment of character, and they were too lukewarm to even miss it. It didn't bother them. The Lord counsels them to come and to receive the true spiritual riches that they really did need to be wealthy, to be rich. 
You know, a man can have all the money in the world and still be a pauper. He can have none of the world's goods and be the richest person in the world. It depends on one, what a person counts on as far as riches. You see, the church had lost its sense of values. They thought they were wealthy because of their material possessions. They could take care of themselves, self-sufficient. But it was misplaced, those values. If you remember, Paul said, it's when I am weak that Christ is strong in my life. It's the same way with each one of us and with the church. It's when we show our weakness that we can't be self-sufficient, we aren't self-sufficient, that we realize in humility that we need Christ to work through us, to empower us, and to strengthen us, as well as to guide us. The Church of Laodicea, they had misplaced that. We find also that they had become naked. The second ranking business in Laodicea was that of black wool markets. They produced a black glossy wool that was uh, produced into fine garments that were in demand around the known world. And so they had this understanding of having all the clothing, the finest of clothing. Yet Jesus says to the church, in spite of this, you are naked. You could have the, the best garment in the world, but you're still naked. And he went on to say, you need to come and obtain from me a robe, a covering that will really hide your exposed condition before God. You see, their robes of haughty self-sufficiency did not cover them up before God. He sees the heart and the mind. He covers it up between men. And we can get together and gather together and we can talk spiritual things and we can kind of fake our belief and our activity for God because of what we say. And we might be able to distract other people for them to even say, wow, they, they're really spiritual. But God knows our heart. He knows our mind. And before him, we truly are naked, exposed. What they call clothing The reality is that they were naked before God. These are the church at Laodicea. Third, we find they had become blind. The third business was in the preparing of an ointment as a balm for the eyes. This came out of the medical center that was there in Laodicea. You can only imagine travelers over the, the, the sand and the sun and the wind beating their eyes to the point where that bomb made all the difference. It gave great relief. And I think it's significant because Jesus, as he came to the church at Laodicea, incorporated what the city was known for, probably what a number of the people who were part of the church were involved in that industry. And he tied it all together so they could make the connection of where they were, trying to help them to understand. He says, you are blind and do not know it. Come to me and I will give you spiritual eyes of that will really help you to see. I can remember when I had a detached retina back in 2014. 
Nine days, I had to sit down with my head facing the floor and stay in that position constantly just to try to make sure that that procedure that they did and that gas bubble that they put in would keep that in the right place. And it did. But I tell you what, those were nine difficult days uh, with one eye that could not see for a period of days and then that, that hard uh, process to make sure that that retina came flat against where the eyeball was to where today I can see well. But it was hard. Here, and let me tell you, I knew that was going on. Here in Laodicea, they didn't know. They couldn't tell that they were blind. You see, Jesus possessed all that the church sorely lacked. He was ready to bestow it on them. Uh, he wanted to give it to them if they desired it. That true wealth, that true rendement, that true vision. But he would not force that. And he wouldn't cause them to say, oh, I've got to have that regardless. If they didn't want it, then he would not force it. And you know, Jesus does that with us today. Sometimes we say, God, I just need you to knock me over the head to help me realize there are events that he does that, but more than anything else, he uses his word and his spirit to speak to us. And if we're not having an ear to hear, then we're not going to hear. What we want is a sensitivity to God's spirit where God says, listen, I want you to listen to me. And what I tell you to do, I want you to make the adjustments in your life. The church at Laodicea, he was trying to get them to do that. We find also they had become at ease in Zion. They said, we do not need a thing. That was their statement. Peterson, in his translation, says, You brag, I'm rich, I've got it made, I need nothing from anyone, oblivious to the fact that you are a pitiful, blind beggar, threadbare, and homeless. Quite a difference from somebody believing that they have a lot of wealth and realizing that they actually are destitute. God said in Amos 6.1, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion, that are on autopilot, that are at the place in their life when they're comfortable. I've worked hard even for Christ all through the years, but you know what? In these latter years, I'm going to coast. The term at ease here means that they weren't doing anything. They were self-satisfied. They were in their comfort zones. They had a false sense of security. They felt like everything was just fine. There were no troubles and no trials and no problems whatsoever. I pastored a church one time that, that had an incredible revival. And a few years later, we were doing small group studies talking about, uh, through our scripture understanding, of what is it that God wants us to do now? Where, where does he want us to go? And I remember a Sunday night, it was like yesterday, that all of those groups came back together to report, and over half of those groups came back to the church and said, we don't feel like we need to do anything. And from that Sunday night to that Monday morning, I promise you, it was like a cold sheet of ice came over that congregation. To this day, to this day, that church has struggled. At ease in Zion, everything's okay. We'll take care of what needs to happen. This was an understanding of what was happening at Laodicea. 
We also find that they were unhappy, but they didn't even know it. He said, you are wretched and pitiful. They thought they were rich. They thought they didn't need any help. They thought everything was fine. Jesus said, when I look at you, I see that you're wretched and pitiful. This is so reflective of our society and unfortunately in churches across America as well. People are so busy. They're so absorbed with themselves. They, they focus on things and ambitions their own. They are oblivious to the heart hunger and it's pitiful. It's pitiful, God says. They also had lost their spiritual fire. The loss of Laodicea did not feel impressed to come to a church that had compromised so much and stood for nothing. They could be a part of, of that kind of, of a country club or, or organizations anywhere in the city because there was no difference at the church. So they didn't feel the need to come. Let me tell you this. When a church is hot, when it's on fire with its zeal and its zest from the Holy Spirit, people are going to come and they're going to give their lives to Jesus Christ. If people aren't coming, then there is not a bonfire passion for Jesus or for the lost on the part of the church. Laodicea had lost its fire. And God said, you don't even know it. You didn't realize it. Jesus had some words of counsel for Laodicea. First, we find that he urged them to repent. If you go back over and look at, at uh, verse 19, he says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. That verse 19 is reminiscent of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. It talks about the discipline of God about uh, concerning his children that he loves. Because he's a loving father and uh, uh, we find that God disciplines his children, not arbitrarily. But rather, he does that to help them to grow spiritually, to learn and mature. Therefore, Christ appealed to the believers to be zealous and to repent. The word repentance, like we've talked about uh, throughout this series, means to acknowledge your sin and turn back to God. Turn back from a compromising indifference to a focused zeal and passion for what Christ wants you to do. He commanded them not only to repent, but also to be zealous. God would discipline this lukewarm church if it did not turn from its indifference toward him. Get that understanding that God is giving them the opportunity. He's describing who they are. They don't have to stay that way. They can change. God is a God of second chances. He wants us to come back and to be zealous for him, to be right in our, our intimacy with him. So God's purpose and discipline is not to punish, but it's to be, bring people back to him in a right relationship. And remember that he is always wanting our very best. The question is, are you lukewarm in your devotion to God? You might think everything is fine. I'm doing my devotion 5, 15, 30 minutes a morning. I'm doing that. I'm checking off the boxes. I'm involved in the church. I'm involved in various uh, ministries and committees. I'm doing the work. But really look into the mirror as God looks at you. Nobody else can do that but you and God. And actually ask him. Because the church at Laodicea, they thought everything was fine. But he said, you are wretched and pitiful. You don't even realize it. You know, God may discipline you to help you out of your uncaring 
attitude, but he only uses loving discipline. Now, I know what you say, because I remember it well. When my dad was lovingly giving me discipline with a belt, he was trying to correct my errant behavior, trying to to make me a young man that could live in society and live the right way. But I'll never forget, as he was giving me that discipline, he said, Son, I want you to understand this. This hurts me more than it does you. At the time, I did not realize that because I was hurting. But I found myself saying the same thing to my kids in the realm of of discipline to help them to understand staying on the right path, keeping the right values is vital and important. Here we find that you can avoid God's discipline by drawing near to Him again through confession, through service and ministry, through worship, through the studying of His Word and the application in your life. Just as the spark of love can rekindle a marriage, and I've seen it time and time again, where spouses have just kind of grown apart over the years. That there is something that sparks that and all of a sudden there is this this bonfire of love in that marriage. It's almost like it's been rekindled or reborn. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit can reignite the zeal for God when we ask him to work in our hearts as individuals and also as the body of Christ. So he urged them to repent. He commanded them to be zealous. And third, he asked them to give him a rightful place. He said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. This is a touching, pleading invitation. The picture is that of a congregation behind closed doors with Jesus on the outside knocking, wanting them to allow him to come in. You've probably heard it over the years. I have. The churches meet all the time. They just wish that they they would, uh, Jesus just wished he, that he was invited to come and be a part of that. This is the idea. There is a well-known painting that depicts Jesus standing on the outside of a door. It's a beautiful garden area. He's knocking at the door. And if you look real closely down where a doorknob should be, there is none. And that's because Jesus is not going to force his way into your life and heart, or into the church's life and spirit. That's a decision that we have to make. But I want you to understand that he allows us the freedom of choice to follow him or to go our own way. He wants us to follow him, but he gives us that choice. The uh, church at Laodicea was complacent. They were rich. They felt self-satisfied, but they did not have the presence of Christ among them. Here Christ is knocking at the door of their hearts, but they were so busy enjoying the worldly pleasures, they didn't even hear or know the knocking. They didn't realize it. They were just doing church, not realizing that Jesus was on the outside knocking, wanting to come in. Here he was trying to enter. But I want you to know that the pleasures of the world, the the money, the security, the material possessions, the, the desire that this is my time of life, I want to do whatever makes me happy, whatever that is, can be dangerous because 
That temporary satisfaction makes us indifferent to God's offer of lasting satisfaction. So we're trading the temporary away from what is long-lasting. If you find yourself feeling indifferent to the church, if you find yourself feeling indifferent to God or to the Bible, let me tell you, you have begun to shut God out of your life. I'm asking you to leave the door of your heart constantly open to God. And you won't need to worry about hearing his knock because that intimacy will be there. Letting him in is your only hope for lasting fulfillment. He wants to come in. He desires to. He's knocking. He's saying that there is a better way. Move away from apathy and indifference and just being too comfortable. Listen to me as I knock. And so here Jesus describes the church. And he says, but listen, I have some words. If you will just repent, if you'll be zealous for me, if you'll put me at the center part of your life, invite me to come in to be the center, I promise you, you've got some blessings ahead. Jesus has promised to those who overcome, who are victorious, first he promises to fellowship with the overcomer. Jesus said, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. The concept of eating together symbolizes intimate fellowship. He who becomes zealous for God will have fellowship with God. That fellowship with God is that intimacy. And that's what we want. We invite people into our home that we want to have a close fellowship and relationship with. We sit down around the table and eat the best of goodies that is prepared. And we have good conversation and it grows and there's warmth in our heart. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. I I want to come. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. It is this understanding of the spiritual intimacy, this conversation, this depth that nobody else can have but us and God. That's what he wants. He promises that kind of fellowship. He gives us a free will, though. He allows us to decide whether or not we're going to open our our lives to him or if we're going to keep him at at an arm's distance. And I'm wondering, do you by chance intentionally keep his life-changing presence and power on the other side of the door so that he continues to knock, but you never let him in? Listen, I want to I tell you that that's the most important thing that you'll ever do in life. First, for salvation, but also to allow him to be the Lord of your life after you give your life to Christ. He wants to be that. He desires that. But is there a reason why you're intentionally keeping him outside of that inner desire that you have? Are you afraid he's going to change you so much? He needs to. He needs to change all of us. And he transformed us when Jesus came into our life and our heart. But then he wants that intimate fellowship and he wants us to have the fellowship of a life-changing power in his presence in our lives. Let him come in, he says. He also promises glory for the overcomer. The scripture says, To him who overcomes, I give the right to sit with me on my throne. 
That is quite the image, isn't it? Jesus promises to the overcomer the glory of sitting with him in heaven for eternity. I'm not sure I can think of anything that is greater. Because in the midst of sitting on his throne with him means you're going to be right there with him. You're going to be hearing him, listening to him. You're going to be accomplishing the assignments that he gives you. And you have direct access right in his presence on a consistent, continual basis. I think there could be no greater incentive for overcoming a lukewarm condition than that great promise that Jesus offers you. Peterson translates this verse, Conquerors will sit alongside with me at the head table just as I have conquered Took the place of my uh, of the honor at the side of my father. That's my gift to the conquerors. Jesus is remembering. Like I sat beside my father in my ascension. You're going to sit beside me. If you'll move away from being lukewarm. If you'll finish strong with a passion and a zeal and a zest. To accomplish my heart's desire. Listen, the world is dying to see that eternal light. And there is no time for First Baptist Church, Sun City West, to be lukewarm, indifferent, or apathetic. It is time for us to be the salt and the light of the world at any time in history. This is the time that we need to be that way. We must overcome and we must allow the power and the presence of God to be in control. And I'm asking you this morning, if you would allow Jesus, as he comes to church, as he comes into your life, Would you allow him, his presence and his power to be in control? And this morning, if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to give your life to Jesus Christ for salvation for the first and only time, I would encourage you to pray and ask him to come in and just say, I know my sins. And God, I want you through Jesus Christ to come into my life and give me eternal life. I acknowledge my sin. I know Jesus died for it. I want him to come and save me. And for many of you who are believers in Christ, who are busy with the things of this world and the cares of this world and the anxieties of this world, I would offer to you, I would passionately ask you, please, hold on to the promises of God. Move away from that lukewarm indifference, from just being comfortable, kind of, being at ease in Zion and finish strong. Finish strong in your spiritual life and do all that God wants you to do. More than anything else, acknowledge and desire His presence. Acknowledge the power of His Spirit in your life and ask Him to allow you to be and to have that intimate fellowship with Him. And whatever it takes for you to get things out of the way and the obstacles out of the way, he's offering you this chance, this opportunity. Please understand and know and be aware. The church at Laodicea, they were not aware. Today, you've heard the message. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father, as we come to this time of invitation, wherein the homes where people are watching, that you would stir their hearts. Not the words that I've spoken, but your spirit as you have used this passage at Laodicea. Lord, we don't want to be lukewarm. 
We really don't. And sometimes we get worn down. And sometimes we get tired. And there are so many different issues that come in our life that just crowd an intimacy with you out. But God, help us not to do that. Help us to rely upon you. Help us to move those things in the proper priorities, whatever they are. And help us to make you the center of everything through Jesus Christ. And this morning, I ask for those who have given their life to Christ this morning, the believers who are rededicating their lives and say, God, I want to finish strong. I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be passionate and intimate with you. And God, I pray that you'll hear their prayer and that you will empower them through your spirit in this decision. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.